0: Hello, everybody, and welcome to the latest episode of the Pitch to Contact podcast, part of the Twins Talk Network. I'm your host, Ben Jones, and I'm joined, as always, by my co-host, John Kuh. John, uh, how are you feeling about the Minnesota Twins as we creep into September here?
1: Well, at the beginning of the week, not great. <laughs> <laughs> that that O2 series to the Brewers was not fantastic, but they somehow have played to the level of their competition against the Rangers. Uh That being all said, I'm hoping that they can kind of continue that success uh, this upcoming week when they go down to Texas for another three games. But part of it's kind of nice because if you really, I mean, if you think about it right after the All-Star break, Cleveland went on a really bad run. And part of it was that they got swept by the Rangers. So here we are kind of competing with them, you know, the best offense in in the league. Although I did not know that the Rangers were on like an eight game losing streak. So maybe we caught them at the right time. Uh, So there's that. But um I feel okay about the Twins.
0: That's yeah, what I'm going to say. Listen, here, here's what I'll say. I'm feeling great about the Twins. They, there you go.
1: That's the positivity we need. <laughs>
0: <laughs> exactly. Listen, are, are they that great? No, they're pretty much the same team they've been all year. However, uh, the offense is playing better. The pitching is playing a little bit worse. And I have more faith, I think, in the pitching to bounce back mm-hmm. uh, than I really ever did for the hitting to turn things around. And the other nice thing is you know, they've been having some bullpen problems. And we'll talk about this a little bit later. But there's bullpen help seemingly on the way. And so yeah, um, they, they play to the level of their competition because their starting pitching is so good. Right, Some, Where some really fun
1: bullpen help today specifically.
0: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that too. Um, but yeah, they, they play to the level of their competition because they don't get blown out essentially. Mm-hmm. So even a great offense like the Rangers uh, who had been scuffing a little bit lately, but they still hit a lot of home runs. The twins have mostly held them in check this weekend. So um, it, it's the type of team that is frustrating to watch, but can be uh a really good playoff contender similar to like the nationals in 2019 who didn't have a great regular season but then they have that rotation with scherzer strasburg and uh patrick corbin that just carried them all the way through and so i'm excited i'm feeling good Uh, We'll give you one quick uh, caveat here too, is that we don't have a full weekly snapshot. We're recording this as the twins are playing here in the 11th inning of the final game against the Rangers. So either they've gone three and four and I feel really, really good or they've gone two and two and I feel fine. So (laughs) um, we'll all reserve those judgments for later in the podcast when this game is ended.
1: Yeah. Well, we'll definitely recap that uh, that game, but yeah, currently it is still in progress, but we are right now hoping for a Matt Walner, anything against Josh Spores. So, yeah.
0: Yeah, Joey Gallo, who's been reduced to pinch runner roles, is now <laughs> pinch running, which, great news. Thank goodness, involved.
1: because, yeah, Christian Vasquez, I do not trust him to rumble from second all the way to home on <laughs> a Walner single, essentially.
0: <laughs> yeah, definitely. All right, so we have a couple news and announcements here before we get started, but first things first, remember you can follow us on Twitter, you can follow us at Twins Talk Pod, you can follow John at the John Ka or myself at ben Jones underscore five. And again, subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. You can uh, leave a rating if you feel so inclined. We would appreciate it. And as I'm speaking right here, Joey Gallo just got doubled off of second on a pop up behind the backstop. So um, anyway, maybe Joey Gallo should just be cut because how did that even happen?
1: What What's the point? What's the point?
0: Well, he's not going to be on the team too much longer, I don't (laughs) think. But uh, before we get into that, before we get into our usual weekly recap, uh, John has a little special announcement for our listeners.
1: Yeah. So as you all know, we're part of the Fans First uh, Sports Network, and the network is giving away four free tickets to the week one NFL game of your choice uh, cost up to $5,000. That being said. But yeah, if you're an NFL fan, uh, obviously this is a baseball podcast, but we also recognize that, you know, a lot of people are also football fans as well. Uh, if you want to enter this competition, the rules are pretty simple. Go to contest dot fans fill out the appropriate information all that information will also be in the show notes uh and that's it once you've done that you've been officially registered to win four free tickets to any week one nfl game the contest does end september 1st uh september 4th sorry so uh get those entries in if you can and while you're doing that follow fans first uh sn on x uh and also follow the twin stock pod while you're at it as well i refuse to call
0: it x i'll call it twitter until uh it's literally non-existent anymore i refuse
1: to type x.com into my my (laughs) definitely my browser yeah
0: um yeah but be sure you check that out it's a really cool deal if you uh end up winning the contest the vikings uh are they at home week one i'm not sure i haven't looked into the schedule yet since it's still a couple weeks away
1: honestly i don't remember other than the fact that the Vikings have not won a uh, preseason game this preseason. <laughs> so
0: there's, that. they haven't won a preseason game in multiple years. If yeah, you well, Kevin correctly. O'Connell's
1: technically, I think what, Oh, and six in the preseason. So, yeah, but, uh, 13 and four in the regular season. Exactly. Yeah. Yep. <laughs>
0: <laughs> All right. So let's get into our regularly scheduled programming. So our weekly sh- snapshot as of right now, uh, the twins went two and three on the week, depending on how this game ends, it'll be either two and four or three and three. I think either way, um, I'm still feeling pretty good about the Twins, though, with how they matched up. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they're, they're a couple bullpen blow blowups away from really um, taking command of the AL Central. And to that point, the Guardians already won today. Right now, the Twins have a five and a half game lead again at the end of this game. It'll lead to be five games or it'll be six. And when they play them next week, it's good to know that literally no matter what happens in that series, the Twins will still lead the division at the end of it.
1: Yep, pretty much
0: um okay let's get into the brewer series let's start with game one
1: yeah so game one seven three loss bailey Ober started five innings with two hits two earned runs three strikeouts three walks one homer not really a great line i mean two earned runs is fine but only getting three strikeouts you don't love the three walks either um Just not as sharp with Bailey Ober, but I think we've been kind of seeing that as the summer has gone on. He was pulled at 78 pitches in this uh, performance. His really though, the only blemish on his night, if you're just watching the game was the first inning to run Homer. Otherwise, you know, he was fine. Uh, But yeah, clearly the Twittons are trying to limit his workload by pulling him earlier and uh, earlier. Um, This was the second game in a row that he had pitched five innings only, and then, of course, in today's game on Sunday, he only pitched four as well. We'll talk about that later. But, yeah, they're clearly not letting him go super deep anymore, Um, and that might have some interesting implications in the potential playoff rotation uh, come October.
0: Yeah, for sure. I, it's just we talked about this last week, but he's been getting less sharp the more we've gone into this season, and yep. so we just need to uh, limit his workload. And I think that makes sense. Uh, if you're not going to, you know, put him on the injured list and give him a full all-out break, I think this is fine. To you know, we're going to go four or five innings, we're going to go seventy, eighty pitches, and we're going to pull him there, which mm-hmm. is the smart thing to do at this point, especially given the commanding lead they have in the division. There's no need to overwork Ober right now.
1: Right, and if you if you get five quality innings from Ober, you'll take it.
0: Yep, definitely.
1: Yeah. Uh, in regards to the bats, not really anything to talk about here. Like, it wasn't bad. They didn't have really terrible strikeout numbers, but they only also only managed eight base runners. Uh, Christian Vasquez hit a two-run homer in the second to tie the game. Uh, Kyle Farmer briefly gave them the lead with an RBI in the fourth. But then after the fifth inning, they only managed two more base runners. So just kind of ineffective in crunch time, so to speak, or kind of when they were down. But part of that really wasn't their fault because Dylan Floro came in the sixth and gave up five red runs on a bunch of singles. Uh, and that pretty much put the game out of reach. Um, Oliver Ortega came in as well because he had recently been called up because sort of yep. got sent down and then probably uh, gave up three walks in his uh, in his performance on Tuesday as well. So And then went on the injured list. Yeah, exactly. So just, just <laughs> not really a great performance overall from the Twins in general. Uh, it was a rather hot day in Milwaukee, so there is that. But um, yeah, it just wasn't uh, just wasn't a good game overall.
0: Yeah, I don't know the the Floro thing. He's better than Jorge Lopez, who has not pitched any better with Miami. Everybody will be <laughs> uh, thrilled to hear. So he he got singled to death. There's a little bit of you know Cleveland's, Cleveland Guardians TV. Mm-hmm. Ah, Cleveland Guardians flashbacks where it's the soft singles over and over. A couple of them were more hard hit, but still not not what you want but this is kind of the struggle they've had for the recent weeks is getting through those middle innings and mm-hmm. then even when they do get through them occasionally uh with Jackson Duran being overworked still struggling to get out of the game.
1: Yeah. It, it the bullpen's just not very pretty right now. Um and that's unfortunate.
0: Yeah. And uh yeah, I don't really have anything else to add, so let's uh, let's move to game two.
1: Yeah, this one was actually a little bit more interesting. An 8-7 loss. Kento Maeda started this one. Five innings with four hits, 3 and in-runs, two walks, and six strikeouts. Kind of another minor hiccup. I mean, he didn't have a great performance the week before. Came back this week with Honestly, to me, it was like a fine start. The slider is still ineffective. He hasn't really found a feel for that pitch the last few games, even though he was you know, pretty solid after the All-Star break. But his splitter continues to be a really solid off, uh, offering for him, so that's kind of what's helping him get to those like pretty decent strikeout numbers. Twins pulled him at around, in, I think, the 90-second pitch or something like that, so they clearly have no issue uh, about how they feel about his um, fatigue levels down the stretch. Um, but there is also some interesting implications for the playoff rotation. Are they going to start him? Are they going to put him relief? We'll talk about that a little bit later. But um, at least in this game, he looked fine um, and was able to at least give the Twins a possibility to compete in this one.
0: Yeah, he, he was pretty solid. The bullpen, on the other hand, I think let let the team down a bit, especially yeah. on a... Game where the offense did pretty well off of Corbin Burns.
1: Yeah, uh, let's talk about the bullpen first. They sent out basically, I mean, I'd call them the four four best pitchers: Thielbar, Pagan, yeah. Jackson, Duran. Uh, of those three, Jax was the only one who managed to not give up a run. Uh, it was a really hot day. The the roof is open in Milwaukee. They don't have air conditioning inside. Um, whatever they call the field now, uh, not Miller Park, but. Is it American Family Field or something like that? Uh, yeah, I believe so. Yeah, who cares? Um, <laughs> it's Miller Park in my head. Uh, and so, yeah, the ball was just flying, flying pretty well. Pretty much anything that you got a little bit of lift on and some velocity on was going out of the park or at least, you know, it going deep into the into the outfield. So maybe a little bit bad luck on the relievers part, but still, you know, giving up runs is just never great. Um, it was kind of a weird situation where the, the game ended up in extras um this maybe is feeding into your theory that Royce Lewis doesn't have a, a great arm but there was kind of a weird weird uh Bryce Trang like short grounder to Royce Lewis he charged the ball Bryce Trang is really fast so there is that um Royce had kind of a pinpoint throw it wasn't like his throw last week where it was like off the mark and Solano yeah. had to go out and reach it but um Trang ended up getting the yeah the RBI walk-off single um and that was how kind of how the game ended a uh, on a really weird infield single
0: <laughs> yeah the the ball was flying out of the park and the walk-off hit came on a hit that didn't go like 50 feet I don't yeah think. it was like straight so,
1: down into the ground basically and then yeah you know it's just yeah it, it's
0: one where it's like you know even if you have like nolan Arenado out there he probably has a tough time getting the guy out at yeah. first I, but uh i, I don't know it, it was one where the the more Frustrating part about this was the guy was on third because of a fielding error by Michael A. Taylor. Yes. So yep. the Twins came into the 10th up by a run uh, after scoring the Manford man in the top. Mm-hmm. Um, but then a fielding error by Michael A. Taylor on the hit that allowed the tying run to come in mm-hmm. basically allowed um, the guy to go from first to second. And yep. then ground out moves over to third, two outs. He scores on that infield hit, right? Michael A. Taylor just doesn't let the ball get past him in center. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's not a guy on third. Game's not over there. But I think that was one where both teams are just kind of ready to be done on the go-ahead hit from Ryan Jeffers. His legs literally gave out a whole night of crouching behind the plate in that. Mm -hmm. I think the heat index was like 110 and his legs just gave out and he had to crawl the last couple feet for an (laughs) infield single to score that run. And so it was just a ridiculous game where people were really feeling the heat Kepler started cramping up in the middle. And
1: yeah, it, it was crazy. Yeah. Not pretty. That being said though, the offense did do a lot of work, right? They were facing Corbin Burns who, yes, he he's a Cy Young caliber pitcher. He hasn't been pitching like one this year, little, little few ups, few downs. He's still a really good pitcher though. Definitely. Um, but yeah, they put up six runs on Burns. Uh, thanks to three homers from Royce Lewis, Michael e. Taylor and Kyle Farmer. Uh, again, the ball was just flying out of the park that day. So uh, good for the offense to put up some runs there. It's really hard to fault them. Um, It would have liked more runs the 10th inning. They did manage to get a few more base winners on base, but only pushed across one run. So there is that. But one inning, even if it's the final inning of the game, like does not mean that they lost. They were responsible for the loss in this one. Definitely. There's a lot to
0: be frustrated about here. But again, it's a weird game. Anytime you get to heat up that high and the ball's really flying like that. So again, not the end of the world.
1: Yeah, exactly. So yeah, that wrapped up in O2 uh, loss to the Brewers. And I was it's always fun when we have these like two game series with the Brewers because it feels like it'd be a lot more fun whether if they were like longer ones. But I do enjoy the fact that the at least with the new schedule that the major leagues, that MLB at least allows this kind of uh, rivalry to kind of have a little bit of existence.
0: Yeah, definitely. I I in general, I think I'm a fan of the more balanced schedule. I know there's been a lot of people that're like, "Oh, the old historic rivalries, they're going away." I'm like, "Okay, I'm okay not playing the Tigers 19 times or whatever it was." Yeah. Or more <laughs> importantly, I don't need to see Yankees Red Sox on ESPN every other weekend. <laughs> yeah, like I, I'm good. I don't need that. Yeah. And so it, it's good to get some you know matchups you don't get as often. And for people like me that don't live. Uh, where your favorite team plays, it's nice that I'm going to get the Twins out around me a little more often.
1: Yeah, definitely. Well, they uh, moving on then, we're going to talk about the Rangers series. Uh, this one was a little fun. Obviously, the Rangers were kind of on a pretty long losing streak, despite being one of the hottest offenses in the American League and Major League Baseball in general. Uh, game one was a 7-5 victory. Pablo Lopez started uh five innings, ten hits, five earned runs, one walk, and four strikeouts. Yeah, that's not really a great line, but, again, it was a really hot day. The ball was flying out of the park. Um Basically, the Rangers and the Twins decide to have an impromptu home run derby. Uh, <laughs> and yeah, Pablo gave up three home runs, so not pretty. But he also just gave up, you know, some of those runs also just came on some singles. Uh, he did have a few mistakes over the plate. So location wasn't really on point. I don't know how much of that you could, you know, point to fatigue with the heat or something like that. He just, he just wasn't on his A game. Uh, you could kind of see that where he got a decent amount of whips, just not a lot of called strikes. So, he yeah, his command around the zone wasn't pinpoint. Um obviously doesn't have this, help the Cy Young resume that we were talking about last week. His ERA went up and his whip went up by quite a bit after this start, yeah, but definitely. still plenty of time for the rest of the season to improve those season metrics.
0: Yeah, he, he was okay. He wasn't great. He had a uh, press conference afterwards where he was like, hey, I failed the team here. The bullpen obviously was spent after that long game against uh, Milwaukee, and then the shorter start by Kenta the day before that as well. And mm-hmm. so um, I'm sure they were hoping for him to go at least six, if not seven, and not only being able to go five, I think, set him back a bit. But uh, Josh Winder, ironically, kind of came in with a hero performance here.
1: Yeah, three innings. Uh, I think he had three strikeouts as well, or something like that. So uh, it, he wasn't just trying to get guys to ground out and you know try to get outs outs that way. Uh, solid performance for him. Jax came in for the save in the ninth. Um, so yeah, the the bullpen really uh, kind of bailed Pablo out of this one.
0: Yeah, I, I think we, we've we been hard on Josh Winder, and I think deserved, deservedly so. He hasn't been very good, but mm. on a night where they really just needed somebody to eat innings, he didn't just eat innings. He came in and gave three scoreless, right? And so um, you're not wanting to count on Josh Winder for that, but the fact that he did, I think, really, really saved this team and helped them not basically completely blow the bullpen for the rest of the series.
1: Right. Uh, like I said, the bats, uh, just a good offensive day in general. Cal uh, Farmer, Michael A. Taylor. Royce Lewis, uh, yeah, that trio hit homers again uh, for the second day in a row. And then Jeffers hit a homer as well in the eighth. Probably that was the most notable one, obviously, because it gave the Twins the lead. Um, ironically, the Twins, despite putting up seven runs, were one freight with runners in scoring position. Uh, I just thought that was kind of a funny stat. Um, but, yeah, Jeffers, I'm sure if you've seen the replay, uh, pretty sick bat flip. But yeah. uh, it cost a little bit of bad blood for the rest of the series, which I thought was kind of funny. But, um, yeah.
0: Yeah, it- He uh, had the bat flip. I thought it was fun. Listen, I think baseball needs to be more fun, right? You just hit a huge pinch hit home run. The very first pitch you saw from Will Smith, you hit it into the stands to put the twins up seven and five, win the game essentially, even though it was in the eighth. Mm -hmm. Have some fun with it, man. Like that, you deserve it. And there was a really cool story about this one as well, Mm -hmm. where uh, Carlos Correa was talking about how he went back down uh, into the team area between innings and he saw Ryan Jeffries down there hitting sliders basically shaped and from the release point of Will Smith yep. planning on that exact scenario where he's like, I'm going to come in and pinch hit. I got to be ready to hit this. And sure thing, first thing he gets a high slider and he sends it into left field.
1: Yeah. I mean, just, just showing how good his preparation was because he was actually the second batter to come in, I believe on that one be- on, in that inning. Right. Because, yeah. Uh, Cause actually they sent in Will Smith because um, Max Kepler was coming up to bat. Right. So they want the, the, uh, the right matchup there. Um yeah they
0: they let Kepler hit. Kepler got out so there was one out and then right uh Jeffers hit his Homer.
1: Exactly. So um just a really you know kind of cerebral sort of moment for base uh for you know baseball fans and understanding kind of maybe the game behind the game there. So uh yeah ultimately seven five win really solid. Um next day was even better 12-2 victory. Sonny Gray started in this one seven innings with six hits, one a run and four strikeouts. Uh I, I don't I don't know if I'd really call this a bounce back start because he actually was pretty solid the week before. Yeah, uh, just had basically an iffy like one and a third inning, um, but in this one, really good balance usage among all his pitches. I think his curveball just hasn't been as solid this year, and he's survived without it because his other. Uh, secondary stuff is really good um but he really shut down the rangers here which i thought was was impressive and in his usual sunny gray way incredibly efficient only 81 pitches to get through seven innings uh (laughs) yeah just completely saving the bullpen here again which um it's uh you know good to see from him it's actually kind of incredible how efficient he's been this year like if you look at his pitch totals for most of his starts like they're well below 90. Um, and he's going he's going deep into games as well so even though he does suffer from that third time through the order uh penalty more than most um he's really efficient and it's it it feels weird pulling him after seven innings with only 81 pitches but it, you know you, you kind of don't want to see Sonny in the eighth yeah. even though he's done such a great job
0: I, I think it's more again all of these guys have pretty long injury histories let's not wear him out on a random august game where at, at this point i think the twins maybe it's not officially locked up, but it might as well be locked up having mm-hmm. that uh, division title. And so they got to start thinking towards um, the playoffs and they don't want Sonny overworked because he's going to start one of those first two games, of the wildcard series. And so uh, the other thing too, is I don't even know if they would have had him pitch the seventh in a normal circumstances, mm-hmm. but the uh, the twins in that sick bottom of the six, I think put up six runs and right. already had the game out of reach by that point. I think they yep. were up uh 10 one. And mm-hmm. so, uh, I think that's the main reason they also finally let Sonny uh go a little bit deeper right, because if he
1: gives up you know four or five runs, they're still have a pretty healthy lead there,
0: yeah, definitely yeah um he he's been so good. Through five innings. It's that sixth inning on where yep. he's just run into trouble over and over and over again. Uh, and I think come the playoffs, I think he's going to start game two and he sh- probably should start game two. Mm-hmm. But I wouldn't be surprised if they do a little bit of piggybacking with Kenta or somebody else for that game.
1: Yeah. I, honestly, I think that makes a lot of sense because you get five really, really good innings out of Sonny. And then if you could if you can pitch Kenta for four right like that's yeah that's ideal because that's kind of his perfect like that's his sweet spot in terms of how well he could dominate um, dominate other other batters
0: yeah I mean and that's the nice thing they have five good starting pitchers if you want to include Keuchel as a sixth or mm-hmm. Varland as a sixth right in that series it's only three games you only need three starters and so you have Pablo you have Sonny for that third game if you want it to be. Uh, Joe Ryan, if you want to be Bailey over, that's fine. And then you can use those other guys to be like, okay, we know Sonny's really good the first two times through. No matter what, that third time we're going to pull him. Then sometimes you run into an issue like uh, Kevin Cash and Blake Snell a few years ago, and your decisions get questioned. But again, I think when you have somebody like Sonny who just has a very long, lengthy history, Mm -hmm. there's no reason in the playoffs for him to pitch past the fifth inning.
1: Right, exactly. All right, well, moving on to the bats. Uh, they did score 12 runs here, so obviously a really good day from them. Uh, they started out real quick in the first inning, loading the bases, and Matt Wallner had a bases-clearing triple, uh, which was pretty awesome to see there. Yeah. Um, and then <laughs> the funny part about this whole situation was that the bases were loaded, Carlos Correa came up, and then in predictable Carlos Correa fashion, grounded into a double play. Uh, but then they, they got the bases load up again, and then Warner hit the triple. So crisis averted there somewhat. Um, barely. Yeah, barely, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> but then, uh, Korea kind of made up for it by starting off the offense in the seventh inning, uh, with a Homer. Um, and then the twins hit a bunch of singles to get some base runners. Um, and then Edward Julian hit a three run Homer there. And just talking about Julian, um, because obviously we're, we're at the end of August, um, rookie of the year race is kind of something that people are thinking about i don't really know if julian has a shot but maybe some stats here he's third in wrc plus uh which is actually tied with royce lewis which i think it's kind of funny um and wrc plus is related to ops so they, they both have the same stats there 139 in wrc plus um and then an 859 ops um which is kind of you know all-star level ish sort of production uh the main knock about him will be just counting stats right he's 15th in plate appearances among qualified rookies he's 10th in homers 11th in runs 25 25th in rbi of course the rbi number is a little bit skewed because he bats lead off so there's just fewer opportunities for him to knock in uh base runners but if you look at the ratios he's fourth in average second in obp and ninth in slugging uh, among qualified rookies in the american league so clearly some really solid stats there um Ultimately, I think this is still a race against Gunnar Henderson and Josh Young. Um, both those guys are putting up massive numbers, but Julian has less counting sets only because he has 200 less plate appearances. Like if he had 200 more, I think he'd be in the mix here for sure.
0: Yeah, I think Gunnar Henderson probably has this one wrapped up in the AL um, where he came in, you know, he's the top prospect or t- second ranked prospect, depending on which one you look at behind Corbin Carroll. Um, and He's been really good, right? He hasn't been fantastic. He hasn't been Corbin Carroll all-star level good, but mm-hmm. he's been very, very good. He's been batting in the middle of the lineup for an Orioles team that surprised everybody and had and has had one of the best records in baseball. And so just narrative-wise, I think it's going to be tough for anybody to unseat Gunner, and he deserves it. But, yeah, yeah I, I think you do have to acknowledge uh, how good – the rookies in general have been for the Twins mm-hmm. with uh, Julian, Royce Lewis, who is still technically a rookie before this year, uh, and Matt Walner, all kind of saving the offense here in the second half.
1: Yeah, like they're weirdly, I don't know if I'd call them the top three hitters, but they're essentially the three of the most important hitters on this team.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Um, speaking of Carlos Correa grounding into double plays, some more live updates here as we're going, yeah. uh, he just grounded into another one to send the game into the 13th inning. Yeah. So that's think, 26 now for those counting.
1: Yeah. Uh, league leading 26th and league it's not leading and it's not close
0: <laughs> approaching record breaking for, yeah. uh, the twins who again, Harmon Killebrew has the twins record with 32. So he's, he's getting there.
1: Yeah, I mean, these twins, man, they know how to set bad <laughs> records while also playing good baseball.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's it's insane. Anyway, let's uh, let's move on to game two. Yes. Yeah, so, or or game, game three. three. Sorry.
1: Yeah. So this is when the good vibes, I guess, stopped because this was a six 2 loss. Uh, but the good vibes did technically start with Joe Ryan, obviously back from the IL five innings, five hits, one and run, two walks, seven strikeouts. Um, honestly, that's kind of the best thing you could have asked for from Joe Ryan in terms of his stats, right? The Twins knew they were going to limit him to 80 pitches because in his minor league start, I think he only had around 60-ish. And so they weren't going to let him go like, you know, 90, 100. But they were going to limit him at at 80, and he gave them five really, really solid innings. Um, Of course, if you look a little bit deeper, the command wasn't completely there. Uh, He did give up a lot of pitches right in the middle of the zone, but I think thanks to just how deceptive his fastball is, the Rangers couldn't take advantage of... Kind of those gimme pitches. So uh, good for him. Uh, He gets Texas next week again, unfortunately. So uh, we'll see how that goes. But he limited them well on Saturday. So I feel like we have to feel good about that upcoming start.
0: A couple other uh, stats here on Joe Ryan. So... The big thing for him was when he went down his four-seamer, which is his specialty pitch, essentially was just getting hammered, right? Something yeah. about the injury. He was taking a little bit of velocity off. Maybe he wasn't having the same deception as usual. Mm-hmm. Anyway, uh yesterday he had 128 stuff plus on the four-seamer. So basically 100 is average, 128 is great. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was at 99 in that stretch between the Braves game where he started eating off, giving up homers and when he went on the injured list. So his – Four seamer went from average and low velocity to really, really good in low velocity. Uh, so it's uh, it, it's really good to see him look more like himself. I think we'll see if that keeps up. But once he starts getting a more usual workload, but given how the Twins have treated their rotation, it looks a lot like they're counting on him to be that third starter in the playoffs right now.
1: Yeah, and honestly, I don't think you can be annoyed about that. I think that's a good no. thing. Um I mean if if
0: we get first half Joe Ryan, I mean first half Joe Ryan is a game one playoff starter, you know. Yeah.
1: You I mean basically Cy Young conversation. F- yeah. For his first half of the season. So, yeah, I
0: mean, it, w- it was the point where we had this conversation, and you know, Sonny got selected to the All Star roster, and then Pablo got added mm-hmm. as an injury replacement later on. Yeah. And I was like, hey, Joe Ryan is maybe better than both of them
1: so right. far. And yeah. so,
0: yeah, he he was right in that conversation with the two of them.
1: Yeah. And then another cool thing, well, I don't, I don't know, well cool thing, maybe a weird thing to call this, but his velocity was pretty much around the same in this start. And that's obviously something you look for when guys are coming back from the IL. You know, are they fully back? And, his average velocity for this game was only down half a tick, which is pretty much the same. It's
0: not, it's not anything to be concerned about. Exactly.
1: So he, he clearly is healthy and the twins are definitely going to let him go further um, next week.
0: Yeah. Although if you were watching the game on the national Fox broadcast, you wouldn't believe it because AJ Pierzinski kept on talking about how, oh, Joe Ryan, before he got hurt, you know, he was throwing 96, 97. I'm like, okay, (laughs) you you could just look this up. Like he hit 96, 97 a few times, but that's never the type of pitcher he's been. And like, oh, his four seamer's so good. Yeah. His four seamer's so good. Not because of the velocity, but because of the deception and the movement. And so it, it was... It's one of those things where I get pretty bothered by this in general as a Minnesota sports fan where Mm -hmm. um, I see it a lot with the Timberwolves and I see it a lot with the Twins where it's like, clearly you guys just have not paid attention to the Twins. Oh, completely. With the Timberwolves, anytime they're on ESPN, it's the same thing where it's like, oh, Jalen Noel, he's been so good for them. It's like, no, he hasn't. (laughs) What are you talking about? Right. I remember that in an ESPN game last year. like, no, he's not playing because he's been bad. He's been so bad. I I remember when the
1: national media discovered Ant and I was like – Dude, yeah. this guy's been around for a year and a half. You guys have not been seeing this. or like
0: I know. He, he's he been doing this for so – and I mean in the playoffs too. It's not yeah. like he's doing it for no one. Like in the playoffs, he stepped up his game. Anyway, we're getting lost in a Timberwolves <laughs> tangent. But it's very similar to my complaint about the Fox broadcast where it's like AJ Pierzynski, former twin, just has not watched the twins very clearly. And just yeah. it's little things like that where it's like you're doing one game a week. You're telling me you can't do prep work. You can't talk to Dick Bramer or Aaron Gleeman or Dan Hayes or any one of the great people that cover the twins every single day and get a little bit more of a sense of how stuff goes. It's really frustrating when they start going off and stuff like that. My wife always has to hear me <laughs> talk to my TV like a crazy person.
1: <laughs> I mean, I will say, uh, uh, like, for former twins, AJ Prasinsky probably is not as uh appreciated by twins fans nowadays. Um maybe maybe rightfully so bad blood
0: still with the organization. But
1: yeah, I mean he did also spend a good formative amount of his career with the Chicago White Sox and was kind of a thorn in the in the twins side. So yeah, there's a little bad blood on both sides in regards to that whole situation.
0: Yeah, but still it's just it's crazy to me that Again, these national broadcasts, and this this doesn't include Ken Rosenthal, who's great at his job, and every time he said anything on the broadcast, I was like, yeah, Ken, you know what you're talking about. Yeah. But uh, I can't remember who it was calling the game, but him and Pierzinski were just way off with pretty much everything. <laughs> they, they knew everything they needed to know about the Rangers because the Rangers are good and more popular. But, yeah. yeah. It's little things like that that still give me like that feeling of, man, nobody pays attention to us, it's not important, which is why I'm hoping finally – that the twins make a playoff run because Mm -hmm. then maybe you start to get a little bit more of that respect that I feel
1: like they've deserved the last couple of years. Yeah. Well, we'll see about that. (laughs) We'll see. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. So the reason why this was probably on national television was also because Max Scherzer was pitching for the Rangers. So there's that. Uh, Yeah. He had a great game. He struck out 10 batters over seven innings. So nothing surprising there. Twins just playing exactly to, uh, well, the way that they've been playing all season, which is striking out a lot. Um, they did manage two runs off him, though, which was nice. Uh, Kepler had an RBI double. Polanco hit a solo homer. So good for those two. Um, and it actually was a 2-2 game uh, for a good chunk of the game. Um, mm-hmm. But unfortunately, they weren't really able to get much going for the rest of the night. And that kind of sucked because Jax, uh, Griffin Jax came in in the ninth inning and uh, gave up two walks, two hits, and a hit by pitch and ended up giving up four runs total. And I was looking at his his stats after this one, and he went really change-up heavy in this in this yeah. game for some reason. And he's been kind of you know introducing that change-up more and more, just kind of mixing up his pitches. Because for a while, he was very predictive, right? It was, he was 75% slider, 25% fastball. So he was like, oh, maybe I'll add a change-up, and they will do something. But uh, honestly, that changeup's not very good. Uh, <laughs> and it, it was getting hammered in this one. And so I don't know why he's opting for it this much. I don't mind throwing a third pitch in there just kind of to you know mix it up, but his slider is still one of the better pitches in baseball, and it, it, yeah, and when it takes yeah. a second seat, like when it takes a seat to a changeup, which is just not as good, um, yeah, I just feel like that's a weird that was a weird choice by by Jacks uh, to go with that that pitch mix.
0: Yeah, it was definitely a little bit odd. Um, I think I think the best way to deploy that is basically how he did in his first appearance against the Rangers, which mm-hmm. is he threw one of them right on right. The guy clearly just wasn't looking for that, was way out in front of it, and got him a strikeout. And so I-, I think that's basically how you deploy that pitch. is you- You're good fastball slider. Stick with fastball slider. Maybe mm-hmm. you mix in a few more fastballs, but you got the velo on the fastball. You're Break on your slider is one of the best in the game, and so stick with stick with what you do best, and you should be okay. But yeah, it was just kind of everything went wrong for Jackson this one with the uh, walks and the hit by pitch being the bigger deal because he's not a guy that walks very many people. The hits are one thing, but the the walks and the hit by pitch were the the bigger issue.
1: Right. Yeah. And I mean, I, I'll be honest, I don't remember who he was facing in the ninth inning, so maybe it was like a handedness thing where he was like, "Oh, I am facing you know a lot of righties. Maybe I should be throwing this change up more." Uh, instead of the the slider, but I mean backfoot sliders are still really solid pitches. So yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, I just thought that was an interesting interesting move by by Jax.
0: Yeah, Fieldbar gave up a solo home run in this one as well. He's yep. been getting hit a little bit more hard, and they could definitely use some bullpen reinforcements somewhere if you can get them.
1: Cody Funderbunk.
0: <laughs> Coach, Actually, I have annoyed, Funderbunk. I don't
1: even know if he's like doing that well in AAA, but he's like the one name I know so yeah
0: <laughs> well I'll, I'll give you a few more here uh once we wrap up our recap.
1: okay well uh game four is still in the process it is the f- uh middle of the 13th inning the twins have survived uh Heim grounded out and now we have royce lewis ryan jeffers and joey gallo coming up at the bottom of the of the 13th so uh we'll see if this game's end ends by the time that we finish this recap but uh, this I think was your actually... broadcast
0: is ahead of mine. Sorry, I'm oh, behind it? here.
1: Oh, wow. The... <laughs> MLB.com is actually faster than TV for once.
0: Yeah, who could have seen that coming? Anyway, yeah. go, go ahead. Let's talk about where we're at so far in this game.
1: Yeah, so 13's in, innings in, but we're going to start with the starting pitcher, obviously, Bailey Ober, uh, starting for the second time this week. Four innings, five hits, five run runs, one walk, and four strikeouts. And the only reason that line looks terrible is because he gave up a grand slam. So yeah. uh, there is that. I will apologize to all Twins fans because I had Jonah Heim starting on my fantasy team in the playoffs for this one. So oh, John. I tried not to be too excited excited about this one uh but i was like well at at least i'm i am uh profiting from the twins demise so (laughs) there's that listen
0: if you're gonna if the twins are gonna lose it's always good to get a little something out of it it's like those people i know a lot of sports betters when they're watching teams they're fans of they'll bet against their team so it's like either i'm happy because i made money or i'm happy because my team won but either way i'm good
1: Yeah, Uh, the one notable thing about this was, of course, last thing, only four innings over uh, was pulled after 73 pitches. So just keeping in line with what the Twins have been doing consistently, which is um, yeah, pulling him a little bit earlier. But uh, in this one, it's hard to knock him for like being I mean, yeah, obviously basis loaded situations are bad, but, you know, you don't always give up grand slams and those things. He he actually pitched. I think it was like below the zone, right? The 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 pitch to Haim. like it, yeah, wasn't it wasn't even a terrible pitch. Yeah, it wasn't like a middle middle, you know, ch- uh, curveball or something like that. So it, it was competitive. Um, it just so happened that Haim had a really good swing and uh, took it over, uh, over the wall. So yeah, um, in this game, uh, I mean, one thing I would say about Ober is that his his location of his pitches has always been pretty immaculate, but it's been slowing down. It's been not as uh, precise as it has been earlier in the season, uh, changeups could have been a little bit lower in the zone. They were kind of drifting up, and that was leading yeah. to a lot of hits. Um, obviously, that that uh, grand slam was on that changeup, but that was a little bit lower in the zone, so I don't, don't want to fault him too much for that. But um, yeah, maybe fatigue is a little bit part of this. But I think the Twins, if they they're sticking with the five man rotation, because in this game Dallas Keiko came in relief, so they're sticking to to five pitchers for now. Um, but I wouldn't be surprised if they try to fit in a spot start here and there just to give the guys maybe an extra day of rest.
0: Yeah, the uh the report from Aaron Gleeman earlier this week was basically they're specifically trying to limit uh Bailey Ober. I think the injured list stint for Joe Ryan kind of helped him recoup here for a bit. And so they're a little bit more confident there. But they're they're specifically going to piggyback Ober and Keichel here for I think at least the next couple of weeks, and we'll see how that works. And maybe they do start to work in some more spot starts as you get towards the end of the year, you have a few more off dates, a little bit more uh breaks built in there anyway. Mm-hmm, and that's so true. Uh, for now the plan is piggybacking Ober and Keiko, but you know, we'll we'll see if that changes at some point or if they want to, you know, bring up Varlin to do that with someone as well.
1: Yeah. Um, moving on to the bats, I'm just going to apologize again because I was starting Jordan Montgomery in this one on my fantasy team. So <laughs> I really went for the twofer in this one: Jordan Montgomery and uh, and Jonah Heim. But
0: it was a lefty against the Twins. It was the right move. That,
1: that's the thing, right? Lefty against the Twins. Uh, Jordan Montgomery like has been a decent pitcher this year. Uh, so like he probably would have been able to get out of this start with a you know a, an okay start. But it was also a lefty against the Twins. I was like that's got to be a, that's got to be a great matchup. Yeah. Unfortunately for me. Uh, Jordan Montgomery was, was like really good in the game and then was really bad. So, uh, it was great for like three, no hit innings first, uh, that sucked for the twins. Obviously, um, (laughs) they finally got hit in the fourth, uh, one single, and then they got another single, the fifth, and then finally got runners in the scoring position on the sixth. And that's when they broke through for four runs. Thanks to Royce Lewis for, uh, answering Jonah Heim with a grand slam of his own. And yeah, like we mentioned earlier, Royce is tied with um, Edward Julian for third in in the American League. And, you know, WRC plus slash OPS again doesn't have the counting stats, but he's clearly showing that he's a very capable hitter. He like just performs in the big spots. Um, As I say that he is only the big spots, only the big spots, though, Uh, although he is right now. uh, Shoot, never mind. It didn't happen. <laughs> I was hoping that he was going to do something cool in this. Uh, lead and we were just going to have it team. live right on schedule. Yeah, but no, he struck out. So there's that. Um, yeah, uh, but where we're at in the game in the 13th inning, uh, we got came back in this one, uh, obviously, thanks to the grand slam, but also because Donna Solano, Donovan Solano had a crucial RBI in the ninth tying the game, uh, and then that allowed uh, Carlos Correa to come up to bat with two men on. Um uh, and he promptly struck out on a slider from her oldest Chapman. So,
0: yeah, it's, it's, I still am obviously very happy with Royce Lewis. He's given them production at third base that they've been missing all season long. And so, no matter, pretty much, no matter what he did, as long as he didn't completely flop, it was going to be an upgrade. But the fact that he's been this good has been huge. Again, mm-hmm. he's been a big part of the offense turning around here. And uh, th- I would still like to see some more, you know, finer adjustments he took a few walks in the game earlier this week but doing that more regularly mm-hmm. um you know the pitch he literally just struck out on was a slider well outside of the zone yeah and so he's striking out a lot he's not walking a lot but that's not crazy for a young hitter especially frankly you know maybe the twins just need someone who's going to go up there and be a little more aggressive where a lot of their issues earlier on were them being passive also ryan jeffers just swung at three sliders that were three feet outside of the zone each so yeah uh we're getting some good live updates here
1: yeah in (laughs) fact everyone's favorite twin joey gallo is facing a right-handed reliever and if there was ever a point to um become to prove us wrong to prove us wrong it would be right here with one swing um, he,
0: he's going to walk it off just with our luck. I <laughs> yeah, think, I but uh,
1: yeah. while we, while we wait for Joey Gallo to do something cool, uh, let's talk about Dallas Keuchel, the long reliever. Um, I was not expecting the piggyback here, but I, I don't know if this was planned from the twins. If they were thinking, you know, we're going to pull over probably in the fifth. So let's get Keuchel like three innings to work. And uh, instead he pitched five innings, five hits, no earned runs. Didn't give up two walks, but that's fine. And he, he struck out, really long outs. <laughs> he struck out three batters. Oh man, Keichel has managed to have more than two strikeouts in a game. Uh, yeah, it was yeah. So,
0: like I said before, this was the plan. Uh, Gleeman reported it on his podcast uh, yesterday or two mm-hmm. days ago, whenever that came out. But uh, basically, just saying, you know, Keiko Ober—that's going to be the piggyback here. Sure. And uh, I don't think they planned on him going five, but given the state of the bullpen, I think they were like, well. His pitch count is low. He's throwing the ball well. Let's yeah. keep going. And probably even more important, since the game is most likely now going to head into the 14th inning, and they're going to use all the relievers anyway, mm-hmm. that he was able to to go that far. And, uh, yeah, I don't know. It it was another one of those Keigel outings where he wasn't very good. Um, he gave up, I think, four different warning track fly balls. Mm-hmm. and. Uh, as our mutual friend John Foley said to me earlier today, he's testing the limits of how hard balls can get hit without giving up runs. So <laughs> it's it, it wasn't good, but he again didn't
1: give up runs. And yeah.
0: if he's not going to give up runs, who am I to
1: argue with that? Right. Unfortunately, though, the twin strategy of trying to preserve their bullpen uh, didn't go so well because obviously we are in the bottom of the 13th right now. And so far, uh, Yohan Duran, Caleb Thielbar. Emilio Pagan, and uh, Dylan Floro have all pitched one inning. So basically all we have left are uh, Griffin Jacks, Cole Sands. probably not available. Yeah, that's true. Jax is probably not available. So we're kind of down to Cole Sands and Josh Winder, um, which is uh, always a great position to be in.
0: the the good news is the Rangers aren't doing too hot either. They're throwing out uh, Jonathan Hernandez, who has a believe six point five ERA and was just recalled from AAA yesterday. Yeah. So at, we're all kind of on our last lens. So the bigger thing with this game, I think, is uh, going into tomorrow against Cleveland. Yeah. The the bullpen's going to be pretty spent, and so I wouldn't yeah. be surprised if maybe there's a roster move or two to get a fresh arm.
1: Well, base. I mean, Duran only pitched nine pitches this this game, so there's that, but. Duran, Pagan, Bar, and Floro have all pitched two days in a row. Um, yeah. So and Jax
0: will be available. Jax will most probably likely. be
1: available. Uh, you know, depending on how this game goes, Winder and Sands might be available. Um, but honestly, yeah. when you talk about a a a move, maybe we can get into this conversation. Who
0: were they bringing up? It it would have to be Balazovic. He's the one that's not on the roster. But to yeah. do that, since he was just optioned down, you need an injury. And so well, they
1: did, right? Wasn't it? Didn't they bring him up because Ortega got hurt?
0: Um, they did. But then, when uh, who was it that came back? Somebody came back and he was oh it uh, was uh, Joe Ryan. Uh, Ryan and yeah. then they just optioned him like normal right yeah and so because of that you have the 15 day rule again yep. and so mm-hmm. they would have to come up with some phantom IL injury which you know at this point in the season somebody has something that's tight and so mm-hmm. it would most likely be either Winder or Sands or it's like oh turns out they have a hamstring strain they're going to be out for 15 right. days so it you know it's possible you get something like that or if not then that's when you're looking at okay Louis Varland you're coming up and pitching out of the bullpen or mm-hmm. Simeon Woods Richardson, I guess I think is the other option. Brent yeah. Hendrick would be another one, mm-hmm. but it's literally one where you just need somebody who can actually throw and who that is would actually depend on who's pitched recently in St. Paul, which I'm not, I don't have that off the top of my head.
1: Right. I mean, and Sands pitched 32 inning or 32 pitches on Friday and he obviously has options and wider obviously has options. So those two are probably the most logical kind of send down and yeah. bring up someone who's, uh, who can have a, who has a bit more life in the arm, but um, yeah. While we wait for Matt Walner to uh, become a <laughs> Min- uh, yeah, or become a Minnesota hero. Uh, <laughs> uh, let's go over some news and notes.
0: Yeah, definitely. So let's talk about, uh, let's talk about the bullpen first since that's topical with what we're uh, doing here. So yeah. uh, I already mentioned Louis Varland and we talked a little bit about Kenta Maeda too. Dan Hayes had a big report that came out yesterday, basically talking about the twins bullpen struggles and what's going on. So let's start with Varland and Maeda. Basically the plan as of right now is to have both of them pitch out of the bullpen in the playoffs, Mm -hmm. but that will depend, I think really heavily on how Joe Ryan looks over this last month of the season. If Joe Ryan looks good, like he can start a playoff game, he'll start that game three. If he doesn't, like I was saying before, I think Kenta, you know, he's not great, but he's solid and maybe that's enough to get you through. And so uh, I think that will be a little bit dependent, but in his career, pitching out of the bullpen in the playoffs, he had a 1.64 ERA with 27 strikeouts and 22 innings for the Dodgers. So he's done it in the past. He has the experience. Mm-hmm. And I think with how much help the Twins need in the bullpen, that could be a huge asset for them.
1: Yeah. And it's obviously easier to bring someone from a high pitch count to a low pitch count. And so yeah. even if they think about maybe a piggybacking start in series one, in the first series, that doesn't prevent them from yeah, uh, transitioning him to like a one to two inning uh, reliever for like the division series or something like that. Yeah,
0: like if game three is Ryan and Maeda combining to get you through seven, well, then that's great. You can do Jax, Pagan, Duran, whoever you want for that eight and nine, right? It's the playoffs. You're going to uh, throw everything you have out there. So if that's all you're looking for, I think that would be a great role for Maeda potentially.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and honestly, he, he did win a World Series doing this. So Yeah, exactly. Uh, so yeah. why not? why not one more? let's go (laughs) let's go it took 13 innings but uh the twins have won the game in the most hilarious way possible Uh, give give us the update i'm a pitch behind i haven't seen it yet. oh really okay then i'll wait for you to i'll wait for for it to happen for you no
0: no let's hear it i think we're about to see walk off walk we sure are walk off walk that's right
1: (laughs) michael a taylor hero of the game uh oh man Man, that took a while to finish.
0: (laughs) Yeah, mostly I think this is a good one so that the game is over and you didn't use winder and sand so that you have at least two pitchers. Maybe they're not good, but they have pitches they can throw.
1: Yep. So, uh, yeah, sorry for blowing out your speakers, people, but (laughs) um, the twins have finally won this game. And now they have, now they get to play Cleveland in a division matchup tomorrow.
0: Yeah, so they have a they have a six game lead on the division. Officially, they went three and four on the week. I think yes. they went three and four and picked up a game on their lead as well. So. Yeah. Take uh, it. There you go. We have we have the full week recap available. <laughs> yeah,
1: a little late, but we have it. We, we got it, yeah. <laughs> All right.
0: Um, let, let's get to the last of these news notes. So the other one, along with their bullpen plans, was uh, Louis Varland, who has been pitching better at AAA since a little bit of a rough go, but down there. Mm-hmm. He... Um, the the plan is for him to pitch out of the bullpen in the playoffs. He has that strong fastball slider combo that makes you a good prototypical reliever. Think Griffin Jacks, right? Obviously a slider isn't as good, but it's the combination. uh, It's the combination that many relievers get away with uh, pretty regularly. And so Varland is someone that I think could thrive in that role, could look really, really good in that role. Their issue is that the twins are still worried about potentially needing him as a starter down the stretch. And so they've been delaying uh, moving him, but right now where they kind of have six guys anyway if you want to count keichel i think it's probably worth it once rosters expand in september to have varland be one of those call-ups and just say okay we're going to use you in these one inning roles and see how you look if you look terrible we won't add you to the playoff roster Mm -hmm. but if you look good then you have another guy you can rely
1: on right yeah and he's been really solid so i i honestly i'd probably take him over what dylan floro at this point right
0: yeah, right. I mean, definitely Winder and Sands, right?
1: Yeah. yeah, for sure. But I think, yeah, those spots might be taken up by like someone like Maeda or, um, or Ober, you know. Yeah. In, in the yeah. in the playoff rotation, at least.
0: Yeah, you don't you don't need as many pitchers. Sometimes you see get see teams go with fewer pitchers on the playoff rosters, so that you have more bench moves you can make. Yeah. With the Twins potentially getting healthy with a lot of their position players, maybe that's a move they make as well, especially with how good their starting pitching has been.
1: Mm-hmm. Yep.
0: Yeah. Um. But yeah, it, it makes sense to delay moving him, but I think now as we're moving into this final month, if you really need one or two starts, I mean you have other guys. It's not like you don't have guys. You have Simeon Woods Richardson, you have yeah. Sands who could make a start if you need. We've talked about this before.
1: Yeah. But, and um, you're, you're not worried about also like trying to get people on the same schedule too, because yeah. it's just like an extra day of rest is just all you need. Like you're not trying to replace someone in the rotation.
0: Yeah, exactly. Um, also on the bullpen front, Brock Stewart—he lives, apparently.
1: Surprisingly, um,
0: yeah. surprisingly, I think we kind of all wrote him off for the season. Uh, he gave an interview where he was talking about aiming for the middle of September uh, to come back. Essentially, that would be okay. You're coming back in the middle of September. We're probably going to try to work you into three, maybe four games. And if you look like you did before, you're going to be on the playoff roster. If not, he probably won't be. But um i i'm still pretty skeptical if they do get him back that would be awesome but i wouldn't count on it
1: yeah i it's it's hard to because of the nature of his injury right yeah like you you obviously want him in the bullpen but at the same time it's like he has one let's just say just bad throw and all of a sudden you know that's that's Tommy John right there.
0: Yeah, and it wipes him out for next year already. It's late into the season, yeah. and so mm-hmm. the the Twins, I'm sure, would like to have him healthy next year. But again, it, it's that debate where this isn't a prospect. This isn't somebody you're necessarily counting on to be True. on the team for the next six years. He's, you know, you're hoping for this year, next year, and then you'll see after that, kind of like when they brought Caleb Thielbar back. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, it, it's always a, a tough debate there of what you want to do because uh, you know you just saw it with Shohei Otani, the best player in baseball, kept on pitching through some discomfort and then has to get a second Tommy Mm Johns. Yeah, exactly. Um, Also on the bullpen front, Jorge Alcala also lives, who we have gotten even fewer updates about him than Brock Stewart, probably (laughs) because it's been longer since he's pitched and he hasn't been good. But coming into the season, he was another guy who the Twins were hoping to be in that late inning mix. And he just has been unhealthy and then bad when he's been healthy. But Mm -hmm. he apparently has been throwing. He's been looking pretty good. Uh, and they're having Kirloff and Buxton face him as kind of like a joint rehab <laughs> system, I guess. Yeah. Um. So he can face live hit uh hitters, and they can face live pitchers. But uh, they're planning on getting him into some rehab outings uh next week. It sounds like, and again, it's you're not necessarily looking for can you pitch in the eighth inning. It's more can you be better than Josh Winder and Cole Sands, mm-hmm. and that's a low bar to clear.
1: Yeah, yeah, and especially in in this situation where it's like you want someone who's got good stuff for like one inning, not just like a guy right. who can survive for three, right? That's yeah, that's what you're looking for in the playoffs, and so that that's where Alcala has the as the advantage over those two, assuming he's good. Assuming that, that's a big assumption. Yeah.
0: Um. The last bullpen update that we have here is Chris Paddock, who John irrationally hates, but he's been throwing. He's been throwing well too. He's been sitting 95 uh, down at their Florida complex and apparently has been looking pretty good he's been facing live hitters and he's going to go on official rehab assignment here soon it sounds like Mm -hmm. uh it sounds like the twins are pretty optimistic about him coming back and pitching in a bullpen role the 95 is higher than what he was at as a starter but again essentially right now they're just building him back as a reliever and then he has the whole offseason to do his normal offseason program to build back
1: up as a starter and
0: um I don't know, maybe he's a guy that looks a little bit better in those one-inning stints than he does going five or six.
1: I will say I will probably prefer Chris Paddock as a reliever than a starter. Um, oh, let's
0: go. John said something nice about Chris Paddock.
1: Yeah, I mean, basically because it's just less opportunity to screw up. <laughs> yeah,
0: I mean, that's fair. I mean, the other nice thing about the little contract extension they signed him to as well is he signed for about $4 million this year, next year. Yeah. And... That's not a number where it's like, oh, we invested so much money in him, we have to have him pitch Mm -hmm. uh, out of the rotation. If he ends up just being better as a bullpen uh, guy, paying four million bucks for a bullpen, a solid bullpen arm, that's totally reasonable.
1: Yeah, I mean, he wouldn't be the first guy to be a you know a failed starter and become a really solid reliever. So yeah,
0: I mean, there's multiple of them on the Twins right now: John Duran, Griffin Jacks, Glenn Perkins, one of the best in Twins history, obviously. So it's it's not crazy, technically. Yeah. Also, we, we were talking about this earlier, but really quick. I just want to have a quick side tangent about uh, Zach Littell, former Twins pitcher. Yeah, yeah I know, the, right? The, the Rays are doing the opposite <laughs> with, and they're taking him from a reliever to the starter because they have so many starters hurt that yeah. they just need somebody to throw innings. Yeah. And he's been very good for them.
1: Yeah, like I, I remember looking at his stats. It's like, this guy's like pitching five like quality innings, you know? Yeah. They're not like, you know, they're not five like shutout innings. But it, like this is a guy who, when he was with the Twins, was like a struggling reliever. Yeah, and then and the he Rays,
0: legitimately might start a playoff game. for Yeah,
1: them now. the Rays are just like, oh yeah, we'll take your castoffs and I mean, granted, it's been like four years since he's he's been on the Twins, so it's not the Twins fault necessarily. But yeah, uh, yeah, the Rays were like, yeah, we could take you and turn you into like a serviceable starter. Yeah.
0: <laughs> it happens so rarely the opposite way, and then the Ra- Rays have now done it twice in the last couple of years. They did it with Jeffrey Springs as well, who mm-hmm. was a yep. middling, not very good reliever, and then became one of the best starters in baseball.
1: Yeah, it's kind of incredible how that how that works because yeah, like how do you go from like a guy who has like not even good enough stuff for like one inning to like, oh yeah, he could survive like six.
0: The, the rays are just on another level, man. It's insane. Yeah. It doesn't make sense. Uh, they, they have like five all-star caliber caliber starters hurt and they're still just up there riding on top of the AL East.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, uh, it doesn't make a lot of sense, but, um, yeah, sometimes teams just find a way.
0: All right. Uh, Two other quick updates here. So Kirilov and Bucks, I mentioned them before. The plan is to have uh, rehab plans for them early this week. Uh, It doesn't sound like they're going to come back before September, but come September, uh, I think they'll both play with Kirilov. It's going to be a pain tolerance thing where the shoulder's going to give him pain. It sounds like it's going to be something that has to be taken care of in the off season. Uh, And it's just, can you swing through it and be driving the ball? We talked about this a lot with his wrist injuries. Uh, That's how you know if it's something he can play through. If he's just hitting weak liners, weak ground outs all the time. It's probably not worth him to have on the roster, mm-hmm. uh, but if he's able to play through it and drive the ball, he was one of the Twins' best hitters before he got hurt. He just won AL Player of the Week before he got hurt. Right. So he obviously would be a huge boost to middle of the lineup.
1: Yeah, and it was a stupid injury too. So Yeah,
0: exactly. Um, Buxton. Buxton is Buxton. The big thing with him here is that they're going to play him in center field as part That's of his rehab cool. assignment. So um they've outright said that uh we'll see if he plays at all really in the regular season i imagine they'll work him into a couple games and even when they do it'll be like hey he's gonna play five innings and then you know michael a taylor's gonna come in for him Mm -hmm. or maybe the opposite you have him sub in late in the game yeah but um that's important because again to get all of your best bats in the lineup buxton has to be in center and you free up michael a taylor as a late inning sub which is important we talked about that last
1: week exactly
0: um Okay. Willie Castro is on a rehab assignment. He went one for four with a walk on Friday. He had yesterday off. He's one for three with a walk today. Uh, he again is an oblique injury. And so it's pain tolerance. How are you feeling? Are you sore? Uh, he'll be back soon. It sounds like though, he mm-hmm. sounds like he's doing good. And more importantly, what are they going to do when everybody's healthy? Because ironically they're going to run out of roster spots. And I think much toward dismay, they might be hesitant to DFA Joey Gallo because Alex Kirloff is such a wild card that if he gets hurt again, you're running out Donovan Solano's your everyday first baseman, which I don't know if, I, if that's ideal.
1: Yeah. I mean, it, it is a situation where it's nice that they at least get the extra roster spot in September. Yeah. Uh, so there is that, but yeah, it's, it's, you're probably looking at DFAing loop if they don't want to DFA Gallo. Yeah. I think, I is, think
0: Lupo still has an option so they could send him down. That's true.
1: But that's right. He does have an option. Um, yeah. Wow. Kyle farmer still has an option. What the heck? Yeah. Um, so, the thing about DFAing or the thing about sending out Luplo was like, oh, we don't have a right-handed bat, but now you have Buxton coming back, right? Yeah, um, exactly. And Willie Castro technically, because he's a switch hitter, so yeah, um, that's helpful there. You can you could and
0: theoretically of, Jose Miranda towards the end of the month as well.
1: well. I mean, he'll be really hard to fit in at that point. I don't know yeah, how he makes but- this roster.
0: Still, you never know. The the other thing too is just from like a 40-man roster perspective, if Alcala, Paddock, and Brock Stewart all come back, that's three 40-man spots you have to clear up. You still have Matt Cantorino who could be put on the 40-man and at the or on the 60-day IL. Mm-hmm. And now that we're at the end of the year, if it's something like, okay, it doesn't look like uh, Jose Miranda's coming back this year. You can put him on the 60-day IL. It doesn't really matter. Yeah, But uh, they're going to have to clear up some roster spots if all those guys start coming back. And that's where you really have to start thinking about DFA and guys like Luplo and Gallo and you know maybe even taking someone like Simeon Woods-Richardson or Cole Sands just off of the 40-man roster entirely.
1: Yeah. I mean, this is where that Kirilov um, rehab assignment means so much, right? Because yep. it's the difference between him coming back or getting put on the 60-day.
0: Yeah, exactly. Um, and then... Really quick, next week, they have three against Cleveland like we were talking about. They have a six-game lead. So literally the worst-case scenario at the end of that series is they have a three-game lead. And after last year where they just got hammered by the Guardians in their games together, so many late losses. Oscar Gonzalez was like literally my
1: nightmare for like a good three weeks.
0: Yeah, and it's just nice to know that – Literally, worst case scenario, the Twins at Friday. I mean, literally, if they lose every single game next week and Cleveland wins every single game next week, they're still tied for the division. <laughs> and so they're, they're in a really good spot. I don't think the Twins are going to lose every single game. And more importantly, the Guardians are not going to win every single game. The Guardians have been really, really bad since the All-Star break. And yeah. Again, this is why you're seeing the Twins start to make more playoff plans uh, this early because they have the second best playoff odds in all of baseball. Right. Exactly. All right. Um, they've been playing to the level of the competition and hopefully they play up a little bit here. They won three or four against Texas already. And so it's looking pretty good. Uh, again, be sure to check out, uh, the podcast, follow it on your podcast platform of choice, wherever you get them. And if you want to hear more, you can uh, read us over at Twinkytown or you can listen to John at pitcher list. John, do you have a fantasy tip as we're getting into the playoffs here?
1: Uh, I might've already said this before, but Cole Reagan's is the truth. Uh, he almost hit 101 i think in his start last week and kansas city has one of the best uh like softest schedules to play against for the rest of the season so of course they're in the ale central so it makes a lot of sense and <laughs> it's a it's a little unfortunate because they can't play themselves but um yeah when you're still in the A.L. central you still have a soft schedule even if you're the worst team in the A.L. central
0: yeah reagan's turning into suddenly something good for the royals is their first like pitching development win they've had in like six years
1: yeah it's it's, it's- kind of incredible yeah, it's crazy, but
0: good for them. Uh, you know, Reagan's former top prospect seems like he's finally figuring it out. So um, again, you can follow us on X or Twitter, whichever you want, you want to type into your URL bar. You can follow John at the John Kuh, myself at Ben Jones underscore five and the podcast at Twins Talk Pod. And again, if you're interested in that giveaway that uh, Fans First is doing, be sure to check that out. We'll put the details in the show notes and you can potentially win four tickets to the first NFL game of the year. Very exciting. Uh, But until then, we'll be back next week when the Twins hopefully have a very large commanding lead on the division. Uh, Go Twins!